the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation, with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zerniel and award-winning veteran broadcaster Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. And now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zerniel. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. Carol holds a master's degree in social gerontology, 30 years experience in the field. She's the co-chair of the RAISE National Council on Caregiving and serves as executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. And Carol Zerniel, this is an important topic we're taking up today, looking at capacity within black churches to address dementia-related disparities. You must see this all the time in your work. Well, you know, I don't see it all the time in my work. That's why I'm so excited that we are taking um, awareness and dementia services and this discussion down to the community where the shared experience and the lived experience, we honor that and, and we can help make um, you know, the way we talk about it resonate and more meaningful. So I'm excited to talk to Faron Epps today. Well, Faron is uh, with us. She has a she has a, a doctorate degree and an RN in nursing, over 20 years experience creating culturally relevant programs to reduce health disparities for underserved populations. She's a professor and the Karen and Ronald Herman Distinguished Chair in Caregiving Research at the University of Texas Health Science Center here in San Antonio's School of Nursing. She's a fellow of the American Academy of Nursing, Southern Gerontological Society, and Gerontological Society of America. Fairon serves on the board of directors of the Southern Gerontological Society and Alzheimer's Association Georgia chapter. She also serves on the leadership core of the Public Health Center of Excellence in Dementia Caregiving at the University of Minnesota, and she's got a tremendous amount of research in evidence-based practices promoting quality of life for African Americans with dementia. And Farron, I am so pleased to have you with us. Uh, for those who, who may not understand what we are talking about, when you try to get uh, the capacity uh, within black churches to address dementia-related disparities, Part of the reason, I assume, is because parishioners often go to their minister for help. Yeah, that's, it's, that is one reason, but I would, I would like to back up a little bit, Ron, right? And first of all, thank you all for having this conversation with me. I think it's a very important topic, and I, um, I love getting out there and, and having these conversations. Sometimes I say they're courageous conversations because many times, um, hopefully, we address things today that people do not talk about. Um, and one of the things before even why I work with the faith communities, it starts off with the disparities, dementia disparities within communities of color, specifically in the black community. Right. They're twice more likely to experience uh, or get diagnosed with a form of dementia 
And then the latest result with Us Against Alzheimer's and the Florida International University, um, the latest uh, study that they did, they uh, predicted that by 2030, nearly 40% of individuals that would be diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease or a form of dementia would be Black or Latino. So that right there raised my eyebrows. Um, I've been doing this work for about 10 years, and these disparities have existed for these 10 years, and it probably was going on way before me. Um, and I said, well, where, where should we start? Like, I didn't know this, y'all. I was a healthcare professional, um, a nurse, and I had no clue that dementia, Alzheimer's disease was attacking my community in, in the way it did. And so when I went out into the community, I am a community-engaged researcher. They told me to start with the church. So it wasn't, a, it wasn't the idea that I had. So I want to make sure it's very clear. It was the response from the community. Once I started sharing these alarming statistics, they say, oh, back up. You need to start with the church. And the reason for that is, yes, many people do go to church, but we know as years pass and pandemic, everybody don't go to church like they used to, to say 10 or 15 years ago. So we have to you know, acknowledge that. But this, even if they don't go to church like they used to, when they're in trouble, when they need resources, they still lend or look to their place of worship, their faith community. And that is the reason why I feel that my work is so important, making sure that the faith communities have the resources, they are equipped to respond to their parishioners and community at large. Well, I, I, I appreciate and that you listen to the community to come up with your action. I think sometimes as professionals, Many of us have the best idea and we just run in and do what we think is best. So the fact that you stopped and asked the question, um, you know, is it's the it's the right first step for many of us. Let's back up again, as you did when you began. Uh, and, and what do you believe causes the disparity? Uh, you happen to be living now in San Antonio, moved here from Atlanta, and there's an annual survey or a biannual survey done by the local county health resources group that looks at uh, the variety of indicators of health. And they discovered uh, that uh, Hildebrand, which is a street that divides San Antonio, if you live south of Hildebrand, you are multiple times more likely to die younger than if you live north of Hildebrand. And part of the issue relates to poverty, lack of resources, lack of insurance, wastelands where there's no food. Uh, is that part of what we're seeing here? Yeah, so I don't I don't think I have the the sole answer, but I would say, Ron, what you just shared probably contributes to the um these disparities, um, in addition to any discrimination such as racial discrimination. Um, I believe that contributes to that. And that's just not um, focused on San Antonio or Texas. This is stuff that you can see across the country, any state or any region. It's just so happened that many times uh, communities of color are in these under-resourced, underserved areas, in these food deserts, don't have a... When I stayed in Atlanta, there is no hospital. I have to travel 30 plus minutes to get to a hospital where I stayed. Um, and so this is very common and it's not really even related to your socioeconomic status. 
So, you know, it's just certain things that in the communities of color, they do not have access to so they can get the resources, get the um, support. I had a pastor tell me uh, about two weeks ago, um, they were so excited that I was doing this work. And the name of my program is Alter. We're a partner with Black faith communities across the country. And I said, well, why are you so excited? They were in tears. And he said, because finally someone sees us first. Someone is coming to bring resources to us first. Many times people know that we exist and we're here, but we get the leftovers. We get to know about programs and resources when it's depleted. And they were so appreciative that I was putting them first, putting their needs first and helping them and coaching them to make sure that they have what they need so then they can support their community. And that really touched me because You know, I do this and I never look at it that way where many faith communities and these black communities I work with, they really feel that they are last. Hold that thought. We're going to come right back to you. I want to let folks know who may have just joined us. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron with our co-host, Carol Zerniel, and we're talking with Dr. Farron Epps. She is at the UT Health Science Center here in San Antonio, Texas, moved here from Atlanta, and we're talking about building capacity within black churches and elsewhere to address dementia-related disparities. Uh, as you build this program, let me go to Carol for a question. Well, I, I, I really want to talk about building the program. Can you, what do you offer? You talked about the churches were so happy that you were bringing them resources. What are you offering them? Yeah. So I'm offering them love. I'm going to start right there. So a lot of our program is based out of love, but we do have a framework. And our framework is basically creating dementia-friendly congregations. And we have three pillars, which is education and awareness is one pillar. Supportive programming is the second pillar. And worship. And under these pillars, our faith communities select up to 16 activities, initiatives that they want to implement over a two-year period, and we work with them. And within this framework, we coach them to implement these activities. And by coaching them, we also have to connect them to resources that is out there. So I'm not developing, Carol, I'm not developing, and I do develop some programs, but not all of them, but I am connecting them to the programs of my colleagues, the programs that I know exist, and showing them how to use this, how you can apply this. And training them, because I have to walk away, right? It's about creating sustainable programs in our community. Right. So, but that's, you know, over a two-year period, it it sounds like a comprehensive program, and you're actually giving them the tools to do this over the long run. Yes, you summed it up nicely, Carol. (laughs) (laughs) it, it, It sounds terrific, and I, you know... When we're not on the air, I'm going to make sure that you have know and, and can access all of our Caregiver SOS resources for those listening to the podcast to go online and, and check out our online Caregiver Teleconnection and our stress management. And I want to make sure your your churches know about them as well. Yeah, I, I, please all do. All at no cost. <laughs> Great. No, please do, because, again, they need it. When, when I first came to San Antonio, I went to one of the churches um in San Antonio Black Baptist Church. 
And afterwards, I spoke during the worship service. They allowed me to speak um, about 10 minutes. I spoke about dementia. And then I thought I was going to run right after church and go right back to the hotel. I actually have a line of folks wanting to speak to me and hearing from the congregation that, you know, they were impacted by this, but they felt that people overlooked them. Even in the San Antonio area, you know, they say, well, we heard something about it, but no one actually came to us and told us about this. One of the things you've talked about and written about is caregiving while black. What are the challenges and differences that you see? Um, I, so, Ron, I can't list all of them. Right. But I'm going to sum it up. Right. I'm going to sum it up for you. OK. Um, I, I think we know with everything that has been on the news and literature, just everything has been on a lot of outlets and platforms. We know being Black in America comes with unique experiences. That's just what it is. The same experiences that a Black male at 21 or 25 is going through. If they are now caring for a parent with dementia, they're caring from, they have, they're bringing in those experiences as a black male at 25, in addition to adding caregiving. So um, when you couple those things together, it's a very unique experience. And caregiving while black is actually addressing that. It is by black healthcare professionals, caregivers, those living with dementia, where we're speaking directly to the black community and speaking about the different cultures that were within the Black community that sometimes prohibit us from seeking help and seeking resources. But we also are trying to give them the tools so they can feel empowered. So now when they engage with the healthcare system that has often not been on their side, now when they engage, they have the right tools that they need to get the outcomes that they um, are seeking. So hopefully this will improve health outcomes for not just the caregiver, but the person living with dementia. And so I had a black male caregiver. He, you know, I have a lot of stories and he, he broke it down. You know, he's 50 something years old caring for his wife who has also um, early onset dementia. She's in her early fifties. And he said, you know, compared to a another couple, we can they can go in the grocery store and their wife who has uh, dementia may scream and say, who are you? And people will come and help them and try to help them figure it out. But as a black male, if his wife or when his wife said, who are you? You're hurting me. Leave me alone. And he's in a grocery store. What do you think is going to happen to him? They call the police. Exactly. And so that is a great example right there, how you have people in the same situation, the caregiving situation, and we don't think about that, right? Hold that thought. We're going to come right back to you. We're talking with Dr. Farron Epps on Caregiver SOS on Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. We continue the conversation in a moment. Well, thank you so much for listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. We're delighted to have you with us. We come to you every week with a discussion of an issue, a problem, some accomplishments involved in caregiving with more than 60 million caregivers across this country, but most thinking they are the Lone Rangers. We try to bring you the latest information and help that can make that job easier and more manageable. Caregiver SOS On Air takes a look at trends across this country. We provide tips on how to be a better caregiver, and most importantly, where you can go for help. On Caregiver SOS On Air, 
We try to give you what you need to make that caregiving manageable and to provide you with the help that can make your life easier. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zerniel and I are delighted to co-host this program, and we're thrilled you've joined us on the award-winning Caregiver SOS On Air podcast available everywhere, brought to you by WellMed Charitable Foundation. Hello, friend. We're so pleased you were with us here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with a very special guest, Dr. Theron Epps, talking about building up capacity within black churches to address dementia-related disparities. Our co-host, Carol Zerniel, is here as well. And, and Theron, uh, giving examples is great, and you've given some wonderful examples. How do you reach out into the community and help all the folks who need the kind of help you're talking about? Yeah. I, um, Ron, I go to the community. So that's one of the things I think a lot of um, people in my circle, a lot of my colleagues, they don't understand. You have to go to the communities you want to really serve. You have to go to the communities where you want to have impact. Uh, Traditionally, we have expected, especially as scientists, I am a nurse scientist, uh, we expect communities to come to us, right? Come to us, come during these certain hours, but that's not going to happen because we just know you just shared around all these the, the social determinants of health and all of these things that many of these communities face. So we have to start there. We have to go to them. Now I am one person and I can't go to every community. And so I look for a village, right? A village of researchers, village of programmers that are open to um, joining this movement with me. I do have a core team and we travel across the country. And so we get calls all the time to come to do events, uh, just to come speak virtually or even just, you know, to fly in and speak for a few hours. And again, it starts with going to them making sure they see you, that you're there, you're present. So you're not thinking about nothing else. And sometimes I think about food because I'll be hungry sometimes. But, <laughs> but um, other than that, you're, you're present, right? You're present. You want to hear from them. And Carol, you mentioned earlier about, you know, me listening. I have to say, this is one of the things I, I highlight about the work that I do. My work is culturally responsive. So it responds to the needs of those communities that I'm serving. And most of the communities are communities of color. Um, And in order for you to respond, you have to be present and you have to listen. So I'm curious, what do you hear are the main needs in particularly in the black churches that you're visiting? What is it? What did what comes up again and again and again as their top needs? Well, in in the Black churches, it would be just them not knowing anything about this and not having the resources. So they have no clue where to start. What are those resources available to them? Um, And when I introduce new topics, it's just like, what is this? What is respite? Well, how do we do this? But once I give them the framework, the tools, I connect them to my partners, like I work with Respite for All Foundation, and we developed a C grant application so our Black churches can apply, they were so excited. Um, and so, again, you know, many times people say, well, what you want to know? I don't know what I don't know. And, and so once we start introducing them and telling them about different things, they want to know more because many times they have not heard of this. And there's many people with ministry in their heart, many people within the faith community, and even outside of the faith community that just wants to help this place of worship. 
and they're willing to learn and they're committed. Um, so we're doing a summit at in April in Atlanta where we're bringing in faith leaders from across the country. Because just like you say, Ron, it's hard. Oh, I mentioned earlier, it's hard for me to re- make it to every black church. Um, but I'm inviting them to Atlanta, to House of Hope Atlanta, um, which is a mega church. And we are bringing in partners to give them the tools and education that they need so they can take it back. And if they can't implement my 16 initiatives, if they can implement one thing, that means that's one thing that they have to offer families. What, what are some of the 16 initiatives? So it can be caregiver support group, a memory cafe, respite services, uh, of course, education virtual dementia tour, which is like a simulated dementia experience. And then when you look at worship, it would be me working with the faith leaders on how they can modify the worship experience to meet the needs of those living with dementia. So music, time, time is very important. Um, Can that be in in service three plus hours? Uh, And um, familiar prayers, hymns, those are some of the things that we work with them on. Well, you know, Farron, one of the things I will hope you will carry forward when you're talking to the churches is that our experience is that caregivers, all caregivers, you know, don't know where to start and don't know the resources. And so they are they really are a part of a larger community with the same needs. And so it's so important for all caregivers, particularly those who are not getting the message down where you are. Uh, but I thought that was very interesting uh, because caregivers especially with dementia services, really tell us, I thought I was the only one. Um, And so making that connection is doubly important uh, because we don't want anyone to think they're the only one. Exactly. No, I totally agree, uh, Carol. And one of the things is I promote, um, you know, especially caregiver support groups. There was one thing that, you know, oh, uh, Black families or Black caregivers will not go to a support group. But I have to share with you all that, you know, they will attend a support group, but it's being in a support group with others that have the have a shared experience. Um, I went to a support group and it was um, a mixture, but primarily white and black and the black caregivers shut down because the experiences of the white caregivers, just their everyday life experiences was very different for them, which then made the black caregivers say, well, I, I don't fit in, even though we may, we're all on this caregiving journey, but my everyday life is a little bit different because I'm trying to figure out where is the grocery store with some decent uh, produce that I can purchase and not worrying about, and this was during a pandemic, and this really did happen, not worrying about or crying because I cannot uh, fly to Paris this year. Um, and so that is a big difference. And But that's what's going to cause Black caregivers to shut down. You know, of course, white families and other families can go straight to the police um, based on their comfort level and share all the information, right? You're right. And that's that, uh, you know, thank you for pointing out that distinction because we don't, we, you know, even though we have some of the same issues, we don't have the same experiences. We don't get the same responses, just like your grocery store story. Yes. It's interesting. The University of the Incarnate Word Medical School in San Antonio launched a program, uh, which unfortunately isn't continuing, where they tried to generate fresh produce in corner stores on the south side of San Antonio. Because as you point out, uh, you live in a food desert 
Where do you get lettuce and apples and tomatoes and bananas and cucumbers? Uh, the answer is you don't. And so they tried a program designed to do exactly that. Yeah, we did that in Atlanta as well. And if you look at it, as those that are listening, you know, if it's about sustainability and, you know, that is costly, right? Because you're trying to change the behavior of people. So if they're not used to buying, buying bananas or this fresh produce every day, then what happens to their fresh produce at the corner store? It's spoils, right? And then that costs money for whoever supported that program or for that corner store. And that's what we've seen um, when I was in the Atlanta area, how that could not sustain itself. But we didn't take time. I believe we didn't take enough time beforehand to try to work on changing behaviors, promoting healthy behaviors within the community um, at the same time as doing that. Got about a minute left. What would you like to leave our listeners with, Farron? What What is your elevator message? My elevator message, um, I always like to leave people with, we are no, we no, can no longer be silent. Many times, you know, I hate to use the word suffering in silence, but many times people are going through this journey and do not want to share for many reasons, embarrassment, stigma, whatever it may be. But at this time in 2024, y'all, we no longer can be silent. We have to speak up. And this is how you can get the help and the support. When you share your journey, when you speak up and say, I am a caregiver, I'm a care partner, you'll be amazed at how many people that also have been on that journey and they can share resources with you. So again, we no longer can be silent. It is nothing to be ashamed of. We are here, just like with Carol and Ron, we are here to help and support all family caregivers and care partners. That's perfect. Thank you so much. Really, really appreciate you being with us. And I'd like to pick this conversation up again in the near future. I'm Ron Aaron. Farron Epps, Dr. Epps, our special guest today at UT Health and Carol Zerniel, our co-host. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. Executive producers for Caregiver SOS On Air are Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.